June 14th. And now let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. We'll be looking into Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 43, where we'll see the conversion of Saul of Tarsus was a turning point in the church's history. And God used several people to touch his life. We remember Paul and are prone to forget the people who helped him get started. No man is an island. The witness of Stephen was significant, as were the testimonies and prayers of persons Saul persecuted. Ananias baptized him and encouraged him, and the disciples at Damascus saved his life. When the church in Jerusalem feared to welcome Saul into their fellowship, well, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, built the bridge. That's what encouragers do. They are bridge builders. Barnabas later enlisted Saul to serve in the Antioch church and traveled with him in evangelistic ministry among the Gentiles. Now, you may not be called to a prominent work as Saul was, but you can do the job God has called you to do and be an encouragement to others. We do not know the names of the brave men who smuggled Saul out of Damascus, but holding the ropes was indeed an important job. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. June 14th, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 43. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They thought he was only pretending to be a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul and how he boldly preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Then the apostles accepted Saul, and after that he was constantly with them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they plotted to murder him. When the believers heard about it, however, they took him to Caesarea and sent him on to his hometown of Tarsus. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it grew in strength and numbers. The believers were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Peter traveled from place to place to visit the believers, and in his travels he came to the Lord's people in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon turned to the Lord when they saw Aeneas walking around. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time she became ill and died. Her friends prepared her for burial and laid her in an upstairs room. But they had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, Please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other garments Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. 
When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he showed them that she was alive. The news raced through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a leather worker. for me to try that God isn't making this thing up as he goes I thought he was making it up as he went that's why I prayed so he could make it up my way I prayed to abort the process I prayed to speed it up I prayed to get out of things that he wanted me to stay into I prayed that I wouldn't have to endure some things that he wanted me to endure. I, I was working on the destination, but he was working on me. And and sometimes he made me wait. He, he made me slow down and say, no, you skipped that step. Go back. Go back and do that again. If, if you skipped it with Jimmy... I'm going to send it back with Freddie. If you skipped it with Willie, you're going to have to go through it with Roger. If you skipped it with Sally, you're going to go through it with Susie because all of these are tools that I'm using to work on you. I'm not preparing the blessing for you. I'm preparing you for the blessing. The blessing is already prepared. Oh, my God. The blessing is already prepared. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love it. Did, did you know your blessing is already ready? That it's, that it's already in place, that God isn't fixing it up right now. It's already done, that the work doesn't have to be applied to where you're going. The work has to be applied to you so that when you get where you're going, you can handle what you got to handle. And so, oh God, help me preach the steps, the steps, the steps. Touch three people and say, the steps, the steps, the steps. You wanted a good husband, but you wasn't a good wife. You wanted children, but you wasn't a good parent. You wanted a good wife, but you wasn't a good man. And anytime you get anything too soon, you will trip on the steps. So God puts us in process and orders steps. He does it by steps. Does everything by steps. Does everything by steps. And if you weren't going to do much, God could jerk you quickly. But to him whom much is given, much is required. And you have to go through the process to get everything lined up. Yes, you can handle it. But can your children handle it? Yes, you can handle it. But can your spouse handle it? Yes, you can handle it. But do you have the right friends? for where you're trying to go. There has to be some adjustments on the steps before you get to the stage. You can't get to this stage without steps. Steps. 
good man are ordered by the Lord. Even Jesus had steps. They tried to crown him too soon. And he disappeared because they were trying to make him skip the steps. He said, no, no, you can't crown me before you cross me. It is my cross that makes my crown. It is my agony that makes my ecstasy. It is my sickness that makes my healing. <laughs> it is my poverty that illuminates my prosperity, makes me appreciate where I am. Oh God, help me. Makes me appreciate where I am right now. You don't notice good health till you've been sick. You don't even notice it. You don't even understand the words that are coming out of my mouth until you have been sick. You will never thank God for feeling good until you felt bad. You'll never thank God for your back, for your neck, for your head, for your kidneys, for your liver until it's been challenged. But after a while, you start thanking God for crazy stuff. Thank you because I can see this morning. Don't let it change your name. Don't let it change your name. Don't you be nasty just because they're nasty. Don't you be hateful just because they're hateful. Don't you be vengeful just because they're vengeful. Don't give up on who you are because of how things are turning out. Because the blessing is on who you are. Today we're reading in Psalm 132 verses 1 through 18. Some students believe that this psalm was written when the Jewish exiles returned to their land from Babylon. This theory explains why David is mentioned. It was a difficult time as the Jews tried to rebuild their temple, their city, and their nation, and their beloved King David had been involved in these endeavors. The returned exiles wanted God to remember His covenant with David and restore their land. David yearned to build the temple. But the Lord chose his son Solomon instead. However, David provided the plans for the temple and much of the wealth needed. Would God desert his people as they tried to rebuild the temple that meant so much to David? And then there's the throne. God promised that David's line would continue on the throne. But now Israel was without a king. In fact, there would be no king until Jesus came and they would reject him. One day he will return and restore David's throne. And then there's the city. Jerusalem was in ruins, but it was the city of David and would not be forgotten by the Lord. He would dwell there, bless the people, and give them joy. He would restore power and light and make the city a testimony to the nations. Listen, when the going is tough, remember those feeble Jews who sacrificed to restore what sin had destroyed. They prepared the way for the Son of God, who came to their city and temple and gave His life for the sins of the world. Psalm 132, verses 1-18, through 18, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He took an oath before the Lord. He vowed to the Mighty One of Israel, I will not go home. I will not let myself rest 
I will not let my eyes sleep nor close my eyelids in slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the Mighty One of Israel. We heard that the ark was in Ephrathah. Then we found it in the distant countryside of Jair. Let us go to the dwelling place of the Lord. Let us bow low before Him. Arise, O Lord, and enter your sanctuary, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. Your priests will be agents of salvation. May your loyal servants sing for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject the king you chose for your people. The Lord swore to David a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and follow the decrees that I teach them, then your royal line will never end. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it as his home. This is my home where I will live forever, he said. I will live here for this is the place I desired. I will make this city prosperous and satisfy its poor with food. I will make its priests the agents of salvation. Its godly people will sing for joy. Here I will increase the power of David. My anointed one will be a light for my people. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but he will be a glorious king." Proverbs 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children.